This is KMTT. Tuesday, Parshat HaShavua, will be delivered by Rav Alex Israel. Parshat Kitetse once again takes us into an amazing world where we have a phenomenal range of different mitzvot. We look through the Parsha and we begin with the war camp. We then very quickly go to Ben Sorel Morer, the rebellious son, the criminal, should he be, his body be hung up overnight. We have in this week's parsha agricultural laws, kilayim, shatnas, marriage, divorce, weights and measures, amalek, um, such an in- incredible range of mitzvot. The parsha kitetse um, is just a, a pleasure, a wealth, jumping from, from mitzvah to mitzvah. It is an, an amazing landscape. I have to be honest that I found it difficult to choose which of the mitzvot to um, talk about this week. And I sort of got stuck on the first of them. And the first of them is the amazing case of the Eishet Yafat Toar, the beautiful captive woman who is uh, taken out of the war camp, out of the prisoner of war uh, environment, and brought back to the homestead, back to the, the villages and towns. And the question is, what procedure to engage when we look, when we deal with this woman? Now, the question is how to how to relate to this uh, from a moral perspective. And what we're going to do today is to read the parsha, and then to ask ourselves what this is all about. Maybe, again, I'm not sure that everybody listening knows knows the Parsha too well, so I'll read it very quickly. When you go out to war, And God delivers the enemy into your hands, and you take captives. In other words, you are victorious in battle, and now there are prisoners of war. You see amongst the prisoners a beautiful woman, and you desire her, and you take her home as your wife. So what do you have to do? Or you take her as your wife, sorry. So you're meant to bring her back to your house, and shave her head, and do her nails. We don't know what that means, do her nails. And remove the clothes of her captivity from her. And let her sit in your house. She should sit in your home and bemoan the father and mother for a full month. And only after you will be intimate with her and she shall be your wife. And if you decide, if you decide you don't want her, but if you do not desire her, then you are obligated to send her free. You may not sell her for money, um, nor shall you make her a slave, because you have caused her suffering. Now this parsha is an exceptionally challenging parsha in the Torah. 
I will list a few questions, but I'm sure you have your own. The first is, why did the Torah legislate at all that a person can take a foreign woman from the battlefront, from the prisoners of war? What is this idea? Do we just seize women from foreign nations and sort of kidnap them? Or what's, what's the whole idea? Second of all, you know, we seem to be forcing her to cry. We are shaving her hair. Isn't this some sort of uh, human rights abuse? Isn't this an abuse of the enemy? Not only are we forcing this woman to become our wife, but then we are subjecting her to humiliation. And uh, what is the purpose of all this? It says that she has to sit in your home and cry for her father and mother for a month. So we know that she's missing her family. This sounds like a young woman, her father, her mother. Uh, why 30 days? What is going on here? I would like to study together with you the approach of three different parshanim, three different Rishonim, Rashi, the Ramban, and uh, Maimonides, the Rambam. And we will see that each of them has a very different set of concerns and perceive the entire procedure in an entirely different way. There will also be questions of interpretation of various phrases. For example, I mentioned before the difficult phrase, What does it mean to do her nails? What's happening to her nails? Um, what is simla shivya? What are the clothes of her body? We'll see the different questions will interpret these in different ways. So let's start with Rashi. Rashi says the following. Um, first of all, he says, Eishet Yifat Shetorah. Filu Eishetish, even if she's married. And now it says, Lo Dibrat Torah, Ela Kamiyadeh Yifara. The Torah only allowed you to do this because of the intense desire the uncontrollable desire on the part of the soldier, the Yetzahara, which turns within it. She'im eina kadosh baruchu matira Yisraela b'Yisur. If God will not permit him to marry her, um, he would marry her anyway, despite the prohibition. Rashi's attitude here is that this is, how should we call it, the lesser of the two evils. The Torah doesn't like this mitzvah. And by the way, this is a remarkable interpretation because according to Rashi, we have here a mitzvah that even, how should we say it, even God doesn't want this mitzvah. But God recognizes human nature. He knows that we have these soldiers away from home and in this situation they might decide to engage in all sorts of sexual exploits in the battlefront. The Torah doesn't prefer this, but it does this in order to harness or to rein in human passion. Because if God doesn't allow 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 this man to marry him, he will marry her anyway. According to Rashi, though, this is a project which is doomed to failure. Rashi says, if you do marry her, in the end you will come to hate her. And in fact, he sees the... Pre- uh, pro- progression of the parsha, whereas in the next parsha there are two wives, one who he loves and one who he hates. And we will come back to this as a reflection of the fact that if you do marry this woman, this woman from another cultural background, 
she won't fit in and eventually you will come to to really despise her that this was an ill fit you took her in a moment of passion but you aren't really going to be able to build a relationship with her what's the purpose of this entire ceremony according to Rashi she must do her nails she must grow them long till she becomes distasteful she must take off remove the garment of her captivity says Rashi these garments are beautiful he says uh, the gentile young women go out to ba- battle dressed up in beautiful clothes because their aim is to distract the soldiers so she's removing her garments of captivity because it's beautiful she has to let her nails grow long so she becomes distasteful and why does she have to sit in the home of the soldier she sits in the house which is your usual abode when he comes in he sees her when he go out when he goes out he sees her he he encounters her he sees her crying he sees her disgrace he sees her looking awful and what's the whole purpose that she should look unpleasant to him so that the daughters of Israel should look great, should look happy. And this foreign woman should look sad. But Israel mitkashetet. The Jewish women will look made up and beautiful. And she will look um, in a state of disgrace, in a state of uh, disheveled. The way Rashi interprets this entire um, parasha is, is fascinating. Rashi understands that the soldier has killed uh, fighting. She's a very attractive lady. And who knows, maybe she's not attractive, but uh, the fighter attractive anyway. And uh, in a situation of war, people are taking the booty and spoils home. And he decides he is attracted to this woman and to take her home. He might even have a wife at home already. This young lady he's and as far as Rashi is concerned, this is a very, very bad thing. We don't want intermarriage. We don't want this situation in which any time that a, the nation goes to war, we have an influx of foreign women. And therefore, what is the entire procedure here, which is a procedure of 30 days? The man is not allowed to be intimate with this woman yet. He is not allowed to marry her. Therefore, he has 30 days for his passions to die down. And during these 30 days, there is a certain amount of abuse. There is a certain amount of uh, terrible abuse. But she shaves off her hair, she takes off her beautiful clothing, she has to grow her nails long, she's not allowed to make herself up. And what is the purpose? That this person should be off, that this uh, soldier should, uh, his passions should die down, he should begin to come back home and see the Jewish women around as attractive. This non-Jewish woman who he uh, encountered in the in the war camp, as uh, he should begin to resent the fact that he ever took her home. And uh, the purpose is there in the in the last line. If in other words, that's the, that's the objective. The objective is that the soldier should. Um, 
difficulty in or deal with these subjective problems too. However, the danger here is intermarriage, the danger here is women who are utterly unsuitable for a Jewish lifestyle and uh, all the laws which surround them. The Torah will prevent this. The Torah comes up with a mechanism whereby he can take this woman home, but he has to undergo this cooling off period of a month, and this is successful will ensure that you know, he doesn't end up marrying. So that is the approach of the that is the approach of Rashi. It's fascinating. The Ramban understands it very very differently. The Ramban well maybe I will read a few a few lines here. I'll, I, I'll read them in English because if I start reading the Hebrew and translating, it will take way too long. Ani Omer Kol Abelut. I say that all of these are customs of mourning, and it is all culminating with the key pasuk according to the Ramban is She shall cry for her father and mother. The command that she shave her head is in keeping with the way of bereavement. And he quotes a passage from Eov. Cutting the nails, he understands that the nails are being cut. Cutting the nails is a sign of mourning, like shaving the head. The Torah also says that she must remove the garment of captivity from her. In other words, that she should wear garments of mourning. And she will sit in your home like a widow, not going out at all and she shall cry for her father and her mother. And she does this all through a period of a month, which is the way of mourners. In other words, the whole process that she's undergoing is a sign of mourning. But why does she need to mourn? So he says, Hatam the parsha hazu mitnei shehi mitgayeret ba'al korcha. The purpose of this parsha says the Ramban, is that she is being forced to convert. She's not being given a choice as to whether she abandons her faith and becomes Jewish, as is practiced with converts. Rather, the husband instructs her that she will have to observe Torah Israel, And that is why, and here we come back to what the Ramban sees as the key pasuk, she shall cry for her father and her mother, she's leaving her nation and her God. And Rabbi Akiva says in the Midrash, her father, this is Abodak Kachavim, Ein Abiyah El Abodak Kachavim, Kishinyan Shinemar, and he quotes from Jeremiah chapter 2, Omrim Le'etz Abiyata, Ule'even Atiladetan. The idea being, here I finished quoting the Ramban, um, the idea isn't for us to pity her, the idea isn't for um, the man to reject her. Essentially, what is happening here, is that this, according to the Ramban, this entire process is a process of conversion. Um, again, if I quote from the Ramban, he says, um, During this month, she has a time to sort of contemplate the notion that she is going to be becoming a Jewish woman. And she can think about the process of conversion. 
ונעקר קצת מליבה העבודה זרה שלה, ואמה ומולדתה. And she has a chance to already, um, how should I say it, uh, unseat the central role of idolatry in her life. Um, what is happening here according to the Ramban? The Ramban, like Rashi, is incredibly concerned with intermarriage. If you look throughout Sefer Devarim, I would say the key concern throughout Sefer Devarim is the worry that Am Yisrael will come into a new land, we will come into Kana'an, we will be incredibly attracted to the local culture, to the culture of the Canaanites, and we will want to have some sort of cultural exchange to interact with them, to we're curious about their culture. And that Am Yisrael will fall into the trappings of idolatry, of pagan religions. That is the big worry of, of, of Sefer Devarim. Uh, we are, after all, a small nation. And there are many more non-Jews than Jews. And we are susceptible to intermarriage, as we well know in our generation. Rashi explicitly says at the beginning of his explanation that Dibra Torah Hara, the Torah doesn't like this mitzvah at all, and in fact this is all a ploy, it is a device, it is a plot in order that the man eject or reject this woman. The Ramban doesn't adopt this approach. The Ramban says if the Torah gives us a mitzvah, it's not a mitzvah that the Torah doesn't want. This in fact is a procedure of conversion. One cannot take a woman from another religion, from another culture, from another set of values, and just bring her into the Jewish environment when she remains still attached to her pagan roots, to her religious beliefs, to her cultural association. She needs uh, some time um, to adapt and to change. And uh, nobody's asking her. She's a prisoner of war. Yes, this is the uh, ancient Near East prisoner of war, nothing could be, there's nothing to do. We are taking this woman as our wife, but the process that she undergoes, the process of mourning is that she understands that she is saying goodbye to her previous identity, and she is taking on a new identity. She has a month to deal with that transition, so that she will be uh, converted after a month, so that she can marry this man. So this is really quite fascinating. And uh, the Rambam mentions this later. He says, and um, he says that she has to accept that she's going to be a convert, and she has to go to the mikvah and convert, etc., etc. Okay, so that is the approach of the of the Rambam of Nachmanides. However, the Rambam, in the guide to the perplexed, has a incredibly different view and we take the view of the Rambam both in Moran Abuchim and in uh, Mishnah Torah we come to an, a, a, a really reversed image of what we're trying to do to this woman and what the whole process is about um, I'll read to you the section the segment from the guide to the perplexed He says the following. We already know the statement of the sages that the Torah permits this only as a concession to the evil inclination. 
At the same time, this mitzvah is included amongst the lofty attributes that are worthy for the pious to follow. Um, now I have to explain something according to the Rambam. The Pasuk here says, He mustn't abuse her after he has initah, he has forced her. The question what initah means. The way the Rambam understands it is that there wasn't just a simple prisoner of war camp and this man who was a soldier spotted a beautiful woman and took her home. The background is far more sinister according to the Rambam. According to the Rambam, this is a woman who the soldier has raped in the course of war. In the course of war, he could not control himself and he engaged in rape. He raped a foreign woman in the war. And now the key question is how he's going to treat this woman. How he's going to treat this enemy woman. Is he going to merely abandon her? Or is he going to take her as his, uh, you know, abuse her further? And therefore the Rambam says that um, This contains a very strong dose of higher morality. And he says the following, Although his desire overcame him, and he was unable to control himself, he is still obligated to take her to a secluded place and is written into your home. And it is forbidden for him to take her in the midst of the battlefield, um, to marry her in the middle of the battlefield. And likewise, it is forbidden for him to be intimate with her for a second time until her mourning and her sorrow are relieved. And she is not to be prevented from mourning and from appearing unattractive and from crying as the text teaches, and she shall cry for her father and her mother, as mourners find comfort in their weeping and stimulation of the mourning until the physical strength is exhausted, and from the suffering of the, that psychological event. And therefore, the Torah had mercy on her. I'd like to read this according to the Rambam, and to explain that we have a entirely different situation, a situation which I think will appear far more moral. Here we have a situation where in the middle of a war, a man raped a woman, and now what's he going to do? He could just discard her. The Torah says, no, first of all, he is not allowed to be intimate with her a second time in the battlefield. If he wants to be intimate with her again, there is only one way to do it. She has to bring him, she has to, he has to take this woman back to civilization. Not uh, just keep her some second wife in some hovel or some field. He has to take her back to his home. She has to be able to make herself look decent. According to this explanation, the likelihood is, unlike Rashi, when it says, The close of her captivity, he gives her clean clothing, not soiled and dirty clothing which she was wearing in the prisoner of war camp. Rather, he gives her clean clothing. According to Rabbi Akiva, it says she must grow them, but according to Rabbi Leza, she must cut them. Rashi understood that the nails were in order to express um, how ugly she is. The Ramban said it was in order to allow her to mourn. 
um, for the Ramban, the mourning was a process of a rejection of her old culture. But for the Rambam, the mourning is an expression of her sorrow, of her distress, of her upset. Um, the Rambam says very clearly that you must allow her to be a human being. She has what to mourn for, she is upset, she needs to deal with this psychologically. But for a month, the man is not allowed to be intimate with her, he's not allowed to impose himself on her, he's not allowed to touch her, she has to be sitting in, in his home, treated like a human being, and allowed to cry. Now some of you will be thinking, Rambam, why is this so great? Why is this so moral? We should just allow this woman to remain in the war camp. And indeed, by the way, um, she can remain in the war camp. The Rama Mishnah Torah says that it is only if she agrees to go with him that she can come home. He cannot take her back to his house unless she agrees. And you might say, well, why would she agree? Well, the question is, after she's been raped, what are her chances? What are her chances of getting married, etc.? Sometimes we wonder about this law, it seems so bizarre. However, when you read the accounts which are coming out of uh, Libya recently, I remember pulling out of the New York Times an article some years ago about the situation in which refugees from Iraq um, were turning en masse to prostitution because they had been refugees from Iraq, they had no way of subsisting in where they had fled to, in Syria, or wherever it might be. And they were destitute and poor. And we had situations where fathers and mothers were simply um, proposing that their daughters go into prostitution in order to um, finance the family. The situation of women, prisoners of war, um, in the ancient world, and even in the modern world, is very desperate. Many of the men have been killed. There's a situation of rape. And the question is, in this messy, awful, human, dismal situation, um, what are we meant to do? Whereas Rashi sees this as a process for curbing intermarriage, and whereas the Ramban sees this parsha as a process of conversion, the Ramban says very differently. He says that if a man has raped a woman in the war camp, he has to, he can't just discard the woman, he has to treat her with dignity. This is the process. He is not allowed to be intimate with her a second time. He has to offer her the possibility that she will come back with him and he will honourably take her as his wife, as his legal wife. Only if she agrees to come with him, then she comes back to civilization, to the city or to the village. And there he's not allowed to be intimate with her for 30 days because she has to recover from her trauma. She has to recover from the process which she's undergone. Um, according to um, the Rambam, if she agrees to be, be his wife, and he has to give her that offer, then she converts. And then after she's converted, she's already Jewish. She waits a month afterwards. And, and, uh, and then she... Uh, and if he doesn't want to marry her, 
if she's got a great deal, then then he has to let her go free as a as a citizen. This, according to the Rambam, is a higher degree of morality. The Torah had mercy on her. Whereas for Rashi, um, Jewish concerns were at the centre, for the Rambam too. The curbing of intermarriage, the curbing of the um, introduction of foreign norms and foreign ways. For the Rambam, the whole parsha is about the woman and uh, how we treat a woman in this very desperate war situation. So I find it quite fascinating that you can have a single parsha with such radically different interpretations. And as I mentioned in last week's Shior, where we also dealt with war, um, the Torah doesn't shy away from the moral complexities of, uh, of life. And when we're engaging in battle, uh, all sorts of uh, moral problems come up, sometimes even atrocities. But even when atrocities, like the Rambam gave an example in which a soldier has raped a woman, even when atrocities happen, morality doesn't end at that point. And according to Maimonides, according to the Rambam, um, even if a terrible act has happened, one must then um, face up to the situation and try and uh, deal with it with honour and respect and with the correct ethical actions. Thank you very much, and I look forward to learning together with you again uh, next week.